right, amen. We are not alone, and it is, it is great for us to be able to sing that together here. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, hope that uh, this week is filled with blessings for you, all those things that we celebrate this time of year. We have a lot to be thankful for. I'm convinced no matter where you are in life right now, uh, you can find something to give thanks for. I'm thankful today that you're here. We have a lot of guests who are here. We have a lot of our college students who are home. Uh, some more of them are probably on the way home this week. And so we're just grateful that we can share this time together. And I hope that wherever you might be uh, on Thursday, especially, that you have a great and wonderful Thanksgiving. Someone has estimated that there, there are over 186,000 sentences in the Bible. And most of those sentences end with a period. Those are just the simple declarative statements that you find in the Bible. They are some of the essential truths that you find in the scripture. They, they end with a, a, a period. So it's things like, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A foundational truth about creation. God gives us that, that truth, he reveals it, and then just says, okay, full stop, period. Here's what you, here's what you need to know. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, period. God is love, period. There are all of these statements in the Bible that, again, give us these essential, eternal truths that we need to know. And I love the consistency between God's word and our lives because our everyday lives are made up of a lot of these same kinds of statements. These statements that end with a period, these declarative statements that just kind of make up our everyday, ordinary kind of lives. You know, the meeting is about to start. Write this down. It's time to eat supper. Let's go to the gym. Right? Over the course of a given day, maybe from start to finish, you hear a ton of sentences like that that end with a period. I love that God's word matches the reality of our lives. The truth of our experiences is matched there, and the, the truth of the literature even of God's word. But in our lives, there are also these other statements. In fact, I would be willing to bet that some of the most important times of our lives are marked by a different kind of punctuation mark, either these exclamation point moments or these, these question mark moments. And these are, the, these are the statements that really get a lot of passion going in us, right? Like, I love you. You better have an exclamation point on the end of that, right? Or, we're having a baby, there's an, that's an exclamation point moment in life. And our, and our lives are made up of those kinds of moments. And similarly, our lives are made up of these, these moments of, of interrogation, these moments of questioning, these moments where we're just kind of opening our hearts up and we're asking something. We're in that posture of asking, so, so will you marry me? Or what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Those are some of the kinds of, of statements that make up the fabric of our lives in addition to those period statements and I'm grateful again here that the reality of God's word matches the reality of our experiences as well because as we flip through the biblical story not only do we find God revealing eternal truth to us not only do we find a lot of period statements but we find a lot of exclamation points we find a lot of moments of passion we find a lot of moments of just exuberant praise to God but also this we find some of the most heartfelt and earnest questions when we turn to God's word 
And once again, the reality of our experience is matched by the reality that God reveals to us in his word. And so what I'd like for us to do today and then next Sunday, Lord willing, what I'd like for us to do is to to turn our attention toward two of these kinds of statements. To turn our attention to an exclamation point statement from the scriptures. In fact, I would argue it is the exclamation point statement from God's word. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. And then next week, what I'd like for us to do is to come back and to spend a little time talking about one of these question mark statements that you find in God's word. And in fact, I would argue that the the question that we will look at next week is the question that is asked in the pages of scripture more than any other. So we'll talk about that next week, Lord willing. But today, today we want to focus on the first of these. We want to focus on this declaration of praise that you find in the pages of scripture. It is the exclamation point statement in the Bible. This statement that we will look at today, it occurs in the pages of scripture more than any other statement. In fact, it is the standard issue word of praise from cover to cover in the Bible. It is the declaration of praise in the scriptures. We've sung it today. We've read it from God's word. It's on the, the, the stage here behind me, at least in partial form. The statement is this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. This is a statement for any season, but especially this season, especially today. Would you say these words with me in our gathering this morning? Let's say them aloud. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That statement is found from cover to cover. Just repeatedly in the Bible, you find this statement. It's in its full form like this about a dozen times, depending on what translation you read from. But in a shortened form, you find it somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 times in any kind of English Bible. And in many of those instances, it's this effusive word of praise. It is marked by this exclamation point. It is a a celebration of who God is, a celebration of his character, a celebration of, of his glory. And there's a communal aspect to this. Throughout the scriptures, when you find this, you find people of God just just taking this word of praise before the Lord in gatherings like this, this is the word that is spoken and is sung more often than any other in the pages of God's word. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. This morning, I want to look at this exclamation point statement. In fact, I want to look at just three places in the scriptures where, where, where this statement is found. And then what, I, what I'd like for us to do is to talk about, on, uh, kind of at the back, after we establish that, after we look at these passages, we'll, we'll talk about a few of the ways that we might apply some of this into our own lives. The first place you find this, this exclamation point statement in God's word is in the book of 1 Chronicles 15. It's the time when David has the Ark of the Covenant brought into Jerusalem, and it is a scene of of celebration. Here's what it says in 1 Chronicles 15. Then David and the elders of Israel and the generals of the army, they went to the house of Obed-Edom to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant, to bring it to Jerusalem with great celebration. And you can keep reading on from there, but 
there's basically this great parade on the streets of Jerusalem. One artist has kind of pictured it this way. I don't know if you can see that picture really well or not, but it's this, it's this scene of jubilation. All right, so the, the streets of Jerusalem are just filled with the noise of celebration. And it's that scene where David, David sheds his kingly garb for, for a period of time, and he begins to just dance before the Lord so much that his wife looks out and she says, this is shameful, a king shouldn't act this way, but David is just so filled with celebration that he dances before the Lord because the ark of the Lord, the ark of the covenant there represented the very presence of God. And so David can do nothing but just celebrate. And as that story goes on in chapter 16 of 1 Chronicles, David has this psalm that he leads the people in. And in that psalm, you find that expression for the first time. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And what we, what we get from that, what we can glean from that, is that this, this phrase of ours today, according to God's word, it is a phrase that, it, it, that is totally appropriate for times of celebration and praise. That this statement of ours is completely at home in a season of thanksgiving and celebration. When you are so excited about what God has done, when you are praising him for his presence among his people, these are the words that mark an occasion like that. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. So that's the first occurrence of that, that statement. Uh, a generation later, King Solomon has built the temple. And it's a very similar scene because he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant now from the tent of meeting into the temple. And so it's another scene of, of great celebration and, and the moment is marked by these same words in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. It says that the trumpeters and the singers, they joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. And it says they raised their voices in praise to the Lord, and they sang this, He is good, His love endures forever. Again, a shortened, a condensed version of our, 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 our word of praise here, but still, it's there. And watch what happens next. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, because the, the glory of the Lord had so filled the temple. So there's this, this picture here. I, I love the way that, that the, the writer paints this picture of the, this image of the priests who are unable to, to carry out their duties. They're, they're unable to, to do their work there, their priestly work that day. They can't do that because this cloud has so filled the temple. You just picture them with, you know, the, maybe the, your tears running down their cheeks because this cloud and this smoke is just present, and it's so thick, they can't do anything but just be present. They can't do anything but just be there. And so all of their activity, it, it's sort of like it's pushed to the back burner, and all they can do is just rest in the presence of a God who has revealed himself in this moment. And our words of praise are there again in this celebratory occasion. But in the same scene, the, the chapters go on, but you get to chapter 7, and you find the same words yet again, because at that point in time, Solomon has prayed this prayer of dedication for the temple. 
And when he finishes, the Second Chronicles 7, it says that when Solomon finished praying, picture this, fire comes down from heaven and consumes the burnt offering. And so now not only the priests have tears streaming down their faces, but everybody else because this fire has been so all-consuming. So it burns up the, the burnt offering, the sacrifices, and it says the glory of the Lord filled the entire temple. And the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites, watch this, when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and they gave thanks to the Lord saying he is good and his love endures forever. Everyone present falls down, much like this artist's rendering shows it. The, the cloud is just hovering over the temple. It's billowing out of the temple, and the fire is consuming those offerings. And the people see this, and they recognize this is the glory of the Lord. They recognize that God is holy, and they are unholy. They recognize that what is happening here is a transcendent sort of moment. And so they fall down on their faces in worship before God. They're, they're reverent. They're bending their knee. But they're still crying out this same word, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And so we have in these two stories from, from Chronicles, we have one of David jubilant and celebrating and dancing before the Lord, singing give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And the streets are filled with the sounds of celebration. And the word of God says, when you find yourself in moments like that, give thanks to God for his goodness and for his everlasting love. But then we also find this scene where, where the people are just so in awe of who God is and the wonder of his glory being revealed. Instead of standing up and dancing and celebrating, instead here we find the people bending their knees and bowing down and recognizing who God is. And it's more of a moment of quiet reflection and contemplation and a recognition of God and all his glory. And yet these words are found in that same place. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And it goes on and on through God's word. On and on you find this. In the words of, of, of the psalmist, you find these words repeated over and over. As, as Matt just read for us from Psalm 100, those words are contained there. Again, it is the standard issue word of praise in the scriptures. Let's say it again together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So as someone who believes in the sovereignty of God, even as it pertains to the, the composition of the Bible, I have no other conclusion but this. To believe that God deeply wants to write those words on our hearts. Sheer volume alone leaves me no other, no other choice because this phrase is just uttered, this, this exclamation point statement is in the Bible so many times. It is God's deep desire, I believe, for us to be a people who give thanks to him and for, for people who recognize that he is a God who is good and that his love is everlasting. We can break down that sentence we can break that down along these lines there's a command there first right and that command is to give thanks we're, we're told we should give thanks it's something that we it should be reflexive for God's people we should be a thankful people because we recognize the one from whom all good and perfect gifts come right 
And so the command there is to give thanks. But in our culture today, we tend to push back from commands. You know, don't, don't tell me what to do. I, I do my own thing, right? I don't, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I don't want anybody getting my business and telling me how I ought to do anything in my life. You know, usually you stay there, I stay here, I decide how it goes. That's, that's all well and good. That's fine. But in the scriptures, we have this, this concept connected to the commands. When God gives a command, it's always for our, it's with our best interest in mind. It's be, that's because God's commands are rooted in his character, that's the kind of truth you don't get in the newspaper, right? You don't get that on the internet. You don't get that in the world. But it's the idea that the commands are actually good for us. Because the one who gives the commands is good. So there's this idea of God's commands being rooted in his character. So give thanks to the Lord, command. Because, for he is good, character, okay? But then on top of that, God accompanies all of that. He, he accompanies that command with a word of promise, a word of covenant promise, when he says that his love endures forever. And so those, those twin realities of his goodness and his eternal love, they are, they are so connected. And when we accept those realities, the well, what, what happens is thanksgiving just sort of pours out of us. That's the wellspring of biblical thanksgiving, to recognize that God is good and to recognize that his love endures forever. We know God is good because his love never fails, right? And we know that God loves us eternally because he is a good God who can do nothing less. A few years ago, I was preaching a sermon about the, the love of God, and I noticed while I was preaching something kind of unusual uh, taking place um, here um, on the front row, my daughter was taking notes um, while I was preaching, which is kind of an uncommon thing, right? Um, so I was, I was noticing that she was taking notes. I thought, wow, this, you know. I'm interested. I want to know what Abby, you know, what you're writing now. So later that night, we got home, and I, I asked her, I said, Abby, Kate, show me, you know, I noticed you were writing some things down there. Uh, what were you doing? She said, well, I, I was trying to take notes. You know, you had a lot of things to say, so I was trying to, you know, keep up with it and write it down. You had all the stuff on the PowerPoint, so I was trying to write that down, too. And I, I said, well, show me your notes. And so she did, but then the, the last page, she said, so what I decided to do was just sort of summarize what you said in one sentence. I thought, well, that's a novel idea. That's, that's pretty good. So I said, okay, show me what, what you, again, I'm preaching on the, God, on the love of God, and she, she showed me her sentence, and her sentence was this, love is God's way of taking care of us. She said, is that good, Daddy? I said, absolutely, yeah, that's really good. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> you know, like, I wish I had said that. You know, it took me 30 minutes to say all I tried to say, and you summed it up in one sentence. Love is God's way of taking care of us. I thought, yeah, that's, amen, right? And so if we're, we're hearing all of this about the enduring love of God, his love endures forever, right? If we're hearing all that, then what we're saying is that if his love endures forever, it's God's way of saying he's going to take care of us always. That again, his love never fails, never runs out. It is eternal, it is everlasting, it is unending. And so some of us are walking in the full reality of this life-giving word today. We come today with those words of praise on our lips. Some of us, we come today, and it, it's no stretch to be able to say, yeah, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. For some of us, that is just sort of it's just bubbling up out of us. And for some of us, it's, it's not a stretch to say that because we have, we have apprehended a little bit of the glory of God in some way over the past few days. So we come into this space ready to celebrate and ready to sing these words. Those words come easily to some of us but not to all of us. There's one final 
occurrence of this word of praise that I'd like to point out in our time together this morning. That actually, that's actually found in a, in a place that's altogether different from those other two. So you have David celebrating on the streets of Jerusalem. You have Solomon and the people of God falling down when the glory of the Lord is at the temple. And in Jeremiah 33, there's a different experience for the people of God. A little table setting here before we dive into that passage. In Jeremiah 33, Jeremiah is imprisoned. He's imprisoned by King Zedekiah of Judah. And that's a funny thing, right? Because Jeremiah is the prophet of God in Judah. But King Zedekiah has imprisoned Jeremiah because his preaching is demoralizing to the people. You see, the Babylonians are at the gate. They're sieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah keeps preaching this message where he says to the people, you just need to go ahead and give it, you know, you're not going to win this. The Babylonians are going to take this city. And Zedekiah doesn't really like that. That's not great for morale. So Jeremiah is thrown into the royal prison there, and he begins to, uh, to, to preach and, and proclaim some of these words that are just not very hopeful, in particular as it pertains to King Zedekiah. But as the prophet, as Jeremiah is in prison, he has another vision. And while Judah's enemies, again, are pounding at the gate, the old prophet declares the word of the Lord. And through Jeremiah, God says this. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing. I will heal my people and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring back Judah and Israel, bring them back from captivity. I will cleanse them from all the sin that they have committed against me and I'll, I'll forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without men or animals. Yet in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Once again, we find this word of praise. But here, it's, it's sneaking its way into one of the most hopeless of circumstances. So again, just to picture it, you have the enemy at the gate. You have the prophet in prison. And, and even here, the word of God says, in this darkness, in this hopeless kind of circumstance, you find this word of praise for God, for the God who promises to do something on the backside of this, who promises to bring renewal and, and restoration and redemption to his people. And if I were living in Jeremiah's day, hearing this, I might ask the same question that, that some of us ask as we read a text like that. You might think, how is it that we can find this sort of word of exclamation? How can you find this kind of word of praise in that sort of darkness? When the enemy is drawing near. When the man of God is imprisoned. And I think the answer is, we find it here because God knows that's precisely the place where we need to find a word like that the most. See, it's in those moments of darkness that, that we needed 
you need to be reminded of what's eternal. And this, this exclamation point statement of praise points us to the eternal love of God, not the eternal power of darkness. Earthly darkness has its day. And some of us are experiencing the effects of that even in this moment. But this is a word that reminds us that that darkness will one day be filled with the very light of God. That the desolate places in our lives will one day be filled again with the voice of bride and bridegroom. That those empty seats around your table this week, there is a reunion coming for the people of God. And on that day, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving. We will enter his courts with praise. And the people of God will sing sounds of joyous songs once again. And Jeremiah orients his people and he orients us away from our present darkness. And he points us instead to a moment like that. Just a little glimpse when all creation will sing once again these words. Say them with me. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So this morning... Our assembling is a, is a unique gathering. You know, every time we gather here, a new church meets here. You think, what, what are you talking about? Every time we gather here, we're new people. We're different than we were a week ago. We come and we bring different experiences. We come and we bring the experiences of celebration, and we bring the experiences of, of, of darkness. We, we come and we bring songs of, of joy, and we come and we bring questions of lament. And, and every week when we gather here, a new people assemble because we have become something new because of our experiences. And so today as we gather, some of us are here today, much like David on the streets of Jerusalem. Our lives are filled with jubilation and celebration, and we just can't wait to dance before the Lord, to be in the presence of God's people. Maybe today you couldn't wait to get here to sing these songs of praise because God has been so good and you wanted to do nothing more than to celebrate his goodness with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so like David, you were just here with this word of thanksgiving on your lips. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever and you feel that and you want to celebrate that. And if we can't do that together as God's people, then Lord have mercy on us. We're supposed to be a good news people. <laughs> so if you come today and you have that good news in your heart, I hope you feel like you can share that here. Maybe though for some of us, that, that sounds all well and good, but maybe your experience is more like the people who saw the glory of God in the temple. Maybe you come today, not so much dancing before the Lord, but instead on bended knee in humility, recognizing that the glory of God has been revealed in a powerful way, recognizing that God is holy and we are not, and yet he still draws near. He's not scared of our sin. He wants to redeem that sin, but he draws near in order to do that, and for that, you just want to praise the glorious name of your God. And so maybe you draw near like those people did as they saw the glory of God in the temple, your only response is to bend your knee, to bow your head, and to say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. But some of us arrive at this moment today, surrounded by darkness. Some of us arrive at this moment today, 
And as we're reading through those other passages, some of us were thinking, that sounds great for somebody else, but that is not my experience. And when we got to Jeremiah and we were talking about the enemy at the gate, something clutched up inside of you because you recognize you're carrying a heavy burden. You recognize you're overwhelmed by some of those enemies standing at the gate. Enemies like depression, enemies like fear, and anger, shame, and guilt. And those, those enemies are there at the gate. They are ever present. And perhaps those words just don't come easily to you. And every time we read them out loud, you just kind of roll your eyes and you think, I don't feel this, Lord. I don't feel like giving thanks. I don't feel like you've been very good. And I don't feel that eternal love right now. Let's just be honest, some of us, we come limping in here today because that's been our experience. And we can't, we can't see beyond the desolation of our present darkness. Because all of these camps are present in our gathering today because we bring the experiences of the past few days into this place. But there is a word of praise According to the word of God, there is a word of praise to be sung in each of these circumstances. A timeless word that has been on the lips of God's people for thousands of years. And these ancient words, they come alive in our gathering today as we declare them anew. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. So wherever you are today whatever your circumstances might be. Maybe you're excited about Thanksgiving. Maybe it's your least favorite day of the year. Whatever it is, I hope that for each one of us, our posture can be a posture of Thanksgiving. Again, God commands that, but it is a command rooted in his character and accompanied by his covenant promise. And so in this season and in every season, may we faithfully give thanks to him. He is indeed good, and his love reigns eternal. We're going to close by doing something a little different today. Doug mentioned in his communion comments that Jesus sang a song at the end of that Passover meal. The Matt Flynn sing song reference was a nice one. But Jesus sings a song with his, with his disciples that evening, as it's referenced there in Matthew. And Psalm 136, known as the great Hallel in Judaism, it's very likely that that might have been the psalm that Jesus sang. Psalm 136 came to be incorporated into the Passover celebration. It was one that was sung at the end of the Passover meal. And this psalm is a declaration of the enduring love of God. It's written in a, in a call and response. It's intended to be sung aloud in a gathering where God is praised. And so this morning, I would like for us to close our time here by declaring once again the enduring love of God. So we're going to read this together, and you'll see there that it's quite repetitive to drive the point home. But today, I hope that these words hit you no matter where you might fall. If you're like David, if you're like Solomon, if you're like Jeremiah or somewhere else, may our song be the same. So I'd like to ask you to stand. And I'd like to ask you to read these words on the screen that are in yellow. I'll read the words in white. You read the words in yellow. This will take us a minute or two, all right? But these words 
are the word of God. Let's read together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone who does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And brought Israel through the midst of it. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the desert. Who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. And gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. To the one who remembered us in our low estate. And freed us from our enemies. And who gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Amen. Today, may we respond to the God of enduring love. For he has done so much for us. Let's sing our song of invitation together. Open our eyes.